John started that Celebrate Recovery ministry for us a few months ago and just wanted to give him an opportunity to share. And so anyone out there who feels touched by what's going on with Celebrate Recovery or is in need of that community can see him. And so just want to expose who this John Kim guy is, and it's him. Good morning, everybody. When Albert first asked me to speak, I was pretty freaked out and at the same time kind of excited because, you know, God's been working in my life uh, really dramatic ways pretty much since the time I was a baby. Also, just in the past five, ten years. And so I'd been praying for God to give me a chance to just share, like, what he's been doing because it's such, I mean, it's just so powerful what he's been doing that I, I felt like I could not just keep it to myself. And so I was really glad to be able to have this opportunity to share it on a, a larger scale with you guys. So I have preached before, but the audience was like one to five members. Sometimes, <laughs> really. Sometimes my brother would be there alone, and I would just preach to him. And, and I, I guess I would get like delusional or just like tired or depressed, but I would just be like, uh, welcome all the newcomers if you want to stand up. And my brother would just be like, well, what are you doing? What are you talking about? And I was just like, anyways, whatever. And then when I did preach in front of larger audiences, like 10, 20 people, they're all Korean adults. And their English is really bad. So I feel like I could say anything I want. Like <laughs> my theology could be off. I could say whatever I want. And those were the ones where I felt the most confident. And I was just like, you just pre you know, preaching like I'm Billy Graham. And, uh, and they would come up to me and they're like, oh my God, your sermon was so good, so good. And I was just like, how, I don't know how you understood it, but thank you. The scripture that we're going to look at is Romans chapter 8, 26 to 28. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Amen. So past several weeks we've been talking about the Holy Spirit and there's a lot of things we've been learning. I've been learning that the Holy Spirit through Albert's sermon is our counselor, is our comforter. He is with us, he is in us, and he is the third part of the Trinity. He is not an it or a thing, but a real person with emotions, feelings, and that we even ought to pray to the Holy Spirit. And so today I wanted to just share how important it is to be connected to the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to intercede in our lives. So Holy Spirit is our counselor and comforter, but the Holy Spirit also intercedes in our lives. He intercedes on behalf of us in circumstances. He also intercedes uh, through prayer, though. So in this verse right here, it says that the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf by either helping us to pray when we, we don't have the words sometimes uh, to express it. And a lot of times, that's when we're in so much pain and so much sorrow. I don't know if you've been there, where if you didn't even have the words. You didn't know what to say when you're praying. I've experienced that myself, and there are times where I was just so down, I didn't even know what to say. I just fell on my knees and just, would just stay quiet. And I think those are the times when the Holy Spirit was speaking to God for me and um, telling him what was on my heart. The definition, technically, from the Holman Dictionary is uh, of interceding is the act of intervening or mediating between differing parties, particularly the act of praying to God on behalf of another person. So a couple points I wanted to just make that I'll make throughout this testimony is the Holy Spirit wants to intercede in us, in our lives, on our behalf, 
and the Holy Spirit also wants to intercede through our lives to minister to other people. The Holy Spirit's been interceding in my life from before I was born. Uh, I don't know how many people can really say that with confidence, but he has. My parents, they met in Korea. I guess they dated, fell in love, and two, three years, my mother was pregnant with me, three months. But at that time, uh, she also discovered my dad was having an affair. So when that happened, she didn't want anything to do with my dad, including me. She didn't want to have anything to do with him, and he seemed to be okay with that as well. So she proceeded to try to get an abortion. And she was a Buddhist at the time, her whole family was. But there was one Christian woman that she knew, an older woman who was just really there for her. And that woman was like trying to convince her, don't do it, don't do it, you know, keep the baby, at least get him adopted. But my mom was pretty um, adamant. So this woman was like, okay, if you're gonna do this, since I'm older than you, let me set up the appointments for you because you can't trust these doctors out here. And let me at least be there to support you. My mom says, okay. And so she goes to the first doctor, and the doctor tells her, no, I can't do it. He's turning her down, I can't do it. It's a wife. I'm a Catholic. It goes against my beliefs. There's no way I could do something like that. So my mother's like, okay, that's weird. So she goes to the next doctor, and this time the guy, another guy, he refuses her. He's like, no, I can't do that either. She's like, why? He's like, I'm a Christian, and that goes against my beliefs. So my mom was like, okay. She puts two and two together. This lady is setting me up with these Christian doctors. <laughs> and... Um, my mom made an appointment, she met with the doctor, the doctor said he'd do it. While she was in the waiting room, she told me about a minute, maybe even seconds before they called her name, I started kicking. And I started kicking hard, she said. That's when the first time I felt the Holy Spirit interceded on my behalf. He caused me to kick. Whenever I think about that, I'm just, and reflect on my life and my history, and I'm just, it's, I'm speechless. Like, I, I don't know how to express, like, why God would go through the trouble for someone like me when he knew how much I would fail in the future, even after I followed him. After that, my mother and father, they made up, and after I was born, my dad wanted to be involved. He said, okay, I, you know, I make a promise with you. I'm, I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to take care of you and John. We're going to have a brand new life. I'm done with this girl. We're going to come to the United States, and it'll be the dream. So they come to the U.S. with my uncle, and it's not very long that my dad breaks his promise again, and he, my, she, he has another affair, my mom discovers. During that time, it was very tough. They were always fighting and arguing. I was young, but I, could, I just remember like dishes being thrown around and like really heavy phones back then, like three pounds. Like she would throw it across the room. I, was like, I look back and she, I think, well, she's strong. She's a strong woman. <laughs> so around Christmas Eve, my father was doing what he did best back then, which was party and drink with my uncle, celebrating. He was drinking and driving. He was drunk. and He drived into the Alameda Tunnel the wrong way from Oakland. So uh, it was a pretty serious collision. He was left paralyzed pretty much for the rest of his life. He would never be able to walk again without some type of assistance, and he would be in physical pain for the rest of his life. The other car, the two passengers miraculously survived, but their four-month-old baby, same age as my brother, ended up being blinded for the rest of his life. And so my father, he carried a lot of guilt, like through his life, a lot of guilt and a lot of shame. And you know, it was tough for him. Like as a kid, I would have to with a little knowledge I knew. I feel like I had to minister to him and just tell him, like, you know, this is not all your fault. You know, you're not being punished. God is good. Before I even, you know, I was really young. During that accident, after that accident, 
My mother is, is now in a dilemma. What is she going to do? Uh, look, kind of reminds me of Naomi. Like, what is she going to do? She doesn't know the language. She's never even been to high school. She went to school for up to junior high in Korea. And how she can take care of three men, basically. She said she would walk around the beach. She, she even said she contemplated suicide. And she had one idea she had was, well, maybe I'll sell. So she thought of opening up a business. She started sewing and, and just opened up a little store. And one day the Holy Spirit interceded again through a woman. Korean lady comes in and she says, Hi, um, I just want to share something with you. I wonder if you want to come to church with me. I want to let you know that God is real and that you should follow Jesus and he can change your life. My mother's reaction is, no, I don't want to have nothing to do with church. The people in church are hypocrites. The people who live outside the church live better than you. Why don't you go ask my scumbag husband? He's supposedly Catholic, Christian. Go ask him. But don't ever come back here, please. And that woman, she pointed at my mom, and she said, you know what? I think you will be a Christian. I think you will go to church. And you'll be the most faithful Christian that people will want to follow. And my mom was just, as she was saying that, she's like, oh, whatever. And then all of a sudden, she said, as she pointed, she started feeling this electricity in her chest. That's all she was right. This electricity in her chest. And it freaked her out. And she said for like two, three days, she couldn't sleep. Because she kept thinking about this woman and thinking about this whole thing of God and church. I said, and she began to think, could God possibly exist? If he does exist, could it really be this Jesus she's talking about? Do I need to go to church? So she made up her mind and said, okay, with that little mustard seed of faith, decided to figure out a way to go to church. So we had an aunt who was going at that time, like the, one of the first Christians in our family. But yeah, my aunt didn't want to take us. She was like, no, no, you don't want to go to church. You got to stay there, take care of your husband. He's sick. You got two kids. Plus, you guys are not going to fit in my car. I mean, she just didn't want to take us. She was ashamed of us. They made a little bit more money than us. My dad being sick. That's just how she was at that time. And my mother would not give up. So she proceeded to uh, wake us up like 7 o'clock in the morning every Sunday, dress us up, and wait in front of my aunt's car and wait for an hour. And then she would be home and she would be shocked. What are you doing here? So you, you take me to church. Take us to church. So my aunt like, had no choice. Take her. And my mom kept doing that every week because she was scared that my aunt would take off without us. To make a long story short, my mom basically fell in love with Jesus. And she dedicated her life, she said, to singing for him in the choir and giving her sons to him and, and use us any way that he wants. Around that time, so she was going to church and what she did, this is her faith. I mean, this story is a lot about my mother and her faith. I think for a lot of us, the reason why we're here is because we probably had some parents whose faith is so incredible that that's what inspired us to follow. And so she then starts to save all of her money so she could buy a used car. Why? so she can go to church without having to rely on my aunt and go to church that she, she could choose. Around that time, uh, my father was still in the hospital going through surgery, physical therapy. After a couple years, they finally let him out and he starts to get sick. No longer eating, my mom said. He's no longer eating, not functioning. And the doctors couldn't figure out what's wrong with him because he wasn't eating, drinking, nothing. He don't, he don't want to do anything. But they said if he keeps us up, in about probably three, four months, he'll be dead. 
And so they didn't know what to do. So my, at one point, my dad asked the Catholic priest to come so he could start confessing his sins. He felt like he needed to confess all the stuff that he had done wrong to my mother, our family, and you know the baby in the accident. So he, we had a priest there, they said, and he confessed. And then when he was dying, the priest also did his final rites. So at some point, my father was unconscious, they said. And it looked like he was no longer breathing. And so they're thinking, what should we do? Should we in the hospital, or is he, what should we do? And so my uncle, we had one uncle, also a man of faith, who just started going to church with like three people. They, it's like the, one of the founders, three, people, three, four people in the church. He said, no, let's take him to church. So let's take him to church. We're gonna take him to church, we're gonna pray for him. And my mother's like, what, are you serious? He's dead. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 just doesn't matter. Take him to church. So they wrapped him up in a blanket, put him in this car, Drove to church in San Francisco, and uh, four or five people um, were there praying. They prayed all night from about like 8 p.m. to like 9 in the morning. 9 in the morning, my dad gets up. He wakes up, he walks towards my mom, sits by her, and says, well, I had a really good sleep. <laughs> and half of them are freaking out. The other half are like saying, praise God, hallelujah, and all, I mean, it's a miracle. And I asked him, like, what happened? I'll tell you what he's told me many times over the years. What he said was, well, I said, I don't know, but I was floating over my body, and I could see you guys praying for me. I said, and then across, I could see Jesus and the 12 disciples staring at me. I said, then the sky opened up, and then I started floating into space. And as I was floating, there was this peace and joy in my heart that I never had before. And I was like singing to myself. And then at some point, I said, I just saw flowers, flowers everywhere the most beautiful flowers that you can imagine. He said, I can't even fully explain it. And then at some point he came back. And when that happened, uh, obviously that church, it, it went from four to like hundreds to like a thousand in like a month because everybody wanted to go to the church and find out, we want to see the, the guy who was dead and came back to life. And so in the beginning, my dad did witness and give his testimony. And my, my mother always thought he should become a minister or something. And, and my dad, was kind of on that road. You know, after about a year or so, he began to go back to his old lifestyle, the drinking and the partying, and uh, his body also slowly deteriorated back to how he was before. And then from that point on, um, he was pretty much confined to like a wheelchair or you know some kind of assistance. And he had to deal with uh, physical pain for a long time. And I'm not saying God punished him or condemned him, and I, I can't say that. Through all of my experiences and these testimonies, I don't think anyone should derive their theological you know, beliefs about God through people's experiences, but um, for this, the only thing I hope that you'll learn is that God is real and that God is good. Around 15 is when I came to my faith, after seeing my mother, seeing her faith. Like, we were in some hard circumstances. My father, he became alcoholic and also very addicted to painkillers. And I'd say half or most of the time he was either high or drunk to, to struggle with that. But even during that time, he would always tell me like, how merciful God was on him. Like, how could God forgive him for what he did? How could Jesus forgive him? And that um, he's so thankful for that. And then he just always tell me, whatever you do, don't follow my footsteps. I would see my mother praying all the time in the morning and at night. I don't think I can even remember a time where she was not praying at night or in the morning. It seems like she's been doing it consistently at 10 o'clock at night for like 30 to an hour five o'clock in the morning to an hour. And I can hear, when she prays, she's like yelling. She's yelling, I can hear calling my name and you know, saying, what, John is acting crazy, you know, he's doing this and that. 
I was like, okay, I can hear you. And, um, and she still does that to this day. And, you know, God bless her. I mean, that's what kept me going, I think, was her faith and her prayers. So through both of them, you know, I came to decide to follow Christ myself. And I struggled through the years with my faith. About six, seven years ago, my father passed away to be with the Lord. It was weird. I say two weeks before that happened, I prayed to God that he would let him go because he was suffering so much for like 30 so many years. And I asked him to, you know, could you please take him? You know, it's, a little, it's too much. And so two weeks later, my father passed on. Two years after that, um, my mother would face her biggest challenge to her faith, which was uh, when she was diagnosed with colon cancer, stage four. Uh, the statistics are 6% survival um, for anybody past five years. That was very tough for her, for everybody. But then that's when the Holy Spirit intercedes again in the hard times. And she initially was bleeding back here. And that's why she went to the emergency room. And then we discovered she had colon cancer. And they scheduled her for surgery. Before that time, they said, if you start bleeding again, go to the emergency room. She said, okay. And so, but one night she said she started bleeding. And she was bleeding bad. It would not stop. And she decides to just start praying. She prays and prays and prays until like 2 o'clock in the morning, she said, to the point where she thought she was dying. And she said, Jesus, if I'm going to die, can you please hold my hand? Just please hold my hand. Please hold my hand. And then she said around 2 o'clock, she opened up her eyes, and she sees a beam of light in her room, and it's Jesus standing there. And he's holding her hand, and he says, I am here. And... Uh, I said, do you speak in English or Korean? <laughs> and uh, she's like, I think it was English. He said, I am here. I said, I'm very skeptical, you know. I was like, this is not a dream? Like, it wasn't already like hallucination? She's like, no, he was really there. I said, how do you look like? So I said, I couldn't see his face because there was like light, but he was wearing, it looked like a potato sack and like something wrapped around it. And she said, and his hands are so small. They're small. And she's like, he, and he's so short. And I said, and his feet are so small too. And I said, really? I was like, that's weird. And then she said, you know, I always thought Jesus was white from all the pictures. But his skin is like brown. It's like, like Korean people's skin or like Indians. And I said, oh, wow. It's, it's kind of anthropologically, historically kind of correct. And, um, but the bleeding stopped, she said, completely. It just stopped, and then she was able to go on to surgery. The weird thing was I actually prayed like two weeks before that for God to hold her hand. I didn't think he would do it literally. <laughs> to be honest, I didn't. I thought in the spirit he will hold her hand invisibly, but he literally held her hand. Going on to surgery, Holy Spirit comes back, starts doing more stuff. She goes into surgery, and I tell everybody to pray for my mom. I mean, I do a mass Facebook email to everybody, people I grew up with, people I didn't even know. Please pray for my mom. This is the time that she's going to have her surgery. So she goes in, and the, the surgery, you know, it, it was a success. She comes out, and she tells me another story. I said, what happened? She said, well, when I went under, I went to another place. She said, the, the walls opened up, all these bright lights, everything. And she said that um, there were angels, one holding each hand, two at her feet, one at her, holding her head. And then she said God was doing the surgery. And she said, and he was good. He was like moving his arms like this, and like he was really good. And then finally, 
she says she starts hearing noise in her ears of all these people talking. And she couldn't figure out what's going on. It was like in different languages, Spanish, Korean, Chinese, Russian, whatever, all these different languages. She's like, what is going on? And then she realized that they were, it was all the people that were praying for her. And um, my testimony is about the power of prayer and how the Holy Spirit intercedes in our lives, primarily through prayer. And that's something that is definitely, I think, lacking in many churches these days. I think that's why there is no power in a lot of churches these days, because we overlook prayer. We think, like, it doesn't make a difference, or it's a lazy man's way of doing things. We have to do it ourselves rather than ask God. My mother all began to change her behavior. She starts witnessing to people. She tells me, first time, the first day she gets out, when she comes around, actually, they tell them, that, look, we had to sew you up. You have a colostomy bag now. We're sorry. But my mother is just like, no, 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 it's okay. I thank you. Thank God. Thank God. I'm so happy. Thank God. Thank God. And the doctor was like, you know what? Every person that I've ever told who had that bag all start crying. You're the only person I've seen who's actually happy. It's very odd. And she told the doctors, no, 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 you guys may have operated on me, but it's only because God let you. Because God, because God. There's some of them are like, yeah, yeah. There's one lady, an Asian woman, she said, who's kind of quiet. So my mom told her, you, you need Jesus. <laughs> so you go to church. She's like, oh, I, I understand. She's like, yeah, I'm a Buddhist. And she's like, no, no, me too. Me Buddha one time. Now I have Jesus. You too, you too. And the woman's like, oh, okay, okay. Um, my mother was not like that. Before that, she was not very open about her faith, kind of kept it to herself. The cancer came back a second time. She underwent surgery and chemotherapy, and she did have another experience. This time she said she was in heaven, and she could see there was this group of people here, like, singing. And she's like, oh, what's, and an angel was there guiding her. She's like, what's going on there? Oh, that's the choir. That's what they sing. And she's like, I want to go there. She's like, don't worry, you'll go eventually get there. That is for you, because that's your gift. You'll get there. So what are there? It was like Bible study. Oh, I want to go to that study. I want to study. And the angel's like, no, 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 you can't go there. That's advanced. You have to go to the kindergarten Bible study. Your, your studying is, not a little, is a little weak. And so my mom was like, oh, my God. So she, ever since then, she started studying the Bible like crazy. Went to every Bible study at church, reading commentaries. Because she said to me, she's like, I, I'm not going to end up in the kindergarten section when I go to heaven. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's a good idea. You're thinking ahead of time. You know, the sad part of her story is she said that on the other side, she saw her great-grandmother, who was not a Christian at that. She remembered. Like, there's something separating them. And she's like, oh, you look so sad. Grandma, why don't you come over here? It's so much better here. Her grandmother was like, you know, I'm sorry. I can't. I can't go there. I can't go there. Well, my mother comes back. The surgery is a success, but later on, because of the chemo, it breaks down your immune system, and she catches pneumonia. And when she catches pneumonia, she had trouble breathing. They had her hooked up to a ventilator. When, at that time, she was definitely dying. Without that ventilator, she would not have made it out. Everyone is praying again. My brother and I are already thinking about how we're going to pay for a funeral, where's her insurance paper, stuff like that. You know, we're praying and praying. After about a week, she starts coming around, and then she tells the people. She could barely talk. She's like, and she said God was telling her, tell them to take it out, take it out, take it out, take it out, otherwise you won't be able to sing anymore. So she tells the doctors, take this out. And they're like, no, we can't do that. If we do, you're going to die. So no, please take it out, take it out. And God kept telling her to take it out. 
So after a couple meetings, the doctors decided to let her sign a waiver and said, this is of your own free choice and we're not liable. And so they took it out, but then they all were sitting there monitoring her. And they're saying that an average person, if they can give 10 minutes is like the time, then they're going to serve, they're good. And so they're monitoring her, you got the priests in there, ministers, all the doctors. She said, and it was really quiet and everyone's tense, just wanting, seeing it, looking at her vital signs. One minute turns into two, two to three, five minutes, six minutes, seven, turns to eight. Once it gets to nine, ten minutes, people start standing up clapping. And they're just clapping. And they're like, and, they're, and my mother's breathing, doing fine. And they're like, you're just one strong lady. I do not know how you knew that, why you thought you should take that ventilator out. She told her, said, God, God told me to do it. When she told me that story, I thought that's a very good picture of what heaven will be like. Heaven will be a place when you get there, there's, well, there will be a lot of people. Because the Bible talks about there's a great cloud of witnesses, right, watching us. A lot of time will be spent, you know, seeing all those people that we had influenced, that we changed their lives, that we had interceded for, or they had interceded for us. It'll be, I think we'll spend a lot of time full of a room of people or a line of people just thanking us and us uh, just reuniting with people. And it's like that race that Paul talks about at the finish line. It's like, I know there's a lot of runners here. At the finish line, what do you have? You have all your friends cheering you on and welcoming you into the kingdom. But the best part of that, for me at least, is that I want to find Jesus himself and thank him for changing my life. I had dinner with my mother recently, and she went through one more surgery earlier last year. She's been cancer-free for like, I think, six months, seven months, and we just praise God that it hasn't returned. Every three months we check up. I only thank God, say three months of grace, thank you. Another three months of grace, thank you. And uh, as we're having dinner, my mother says, you know what? When I first came here to the U.S., I hated it here. I didn't want to be here. I didn't know the language. I hated your father. He said, but I'm so glad I came because if I didn't, I would not have known Jesus. You know, he's the one that makes me so happy. And I said, yeah, I know. And my heart broke because just in my mind, I just remembered 30-something years of her suffering. It's watching me and my brother getting into all types of negative activity and just running around acting crazy and uh, seeing my father do the same and the fighting and the arguing and just the, the chaos because of just the, the circumstances. And to hear her say that she was glad it really blew me away again. It showed her faith on a whole other level. I was going to say is my mother, um, she may be a bad cook. She may be judgmental sometimes. She's not perfect. She may not know her Bible that well. But one thing I cannot dispute, and no one could dispute, is her love for God. She loves Him with all her heart, all her soul, all her mind. And what she does now, is, she has customers, right? These same customers or their, their mothers, the ones that usually throw racial slurs at her or argue with her, now their daughters or sons or they themselves are now like, you know, they've warmed up to my mom and they ask her for advice. Even though she can barely speak English, somehow they can figure it out. They have some kind of, they've created a language of like half Korean English. So, because I, I don't even understand. But she ministers to them now. She prays for them. There's a cross in the back and Christian radio, you know, full blast. So you know this woman's a Christian and they come to her now and really some she, women, who, people come in and say, I have colon cancer myself. 
But hearing your story, I think maybe there's hope. My mom's just like, yes, yeah, you can make it. Just pray, just pray. Just some final thoughts. As you can tell from my story, the power of the Holy Spirit, it happens through prayer. There's no way around it. I mean, that's how it occurs. So we know that in the upper room, before the disciples, when, before the, the, the Spirit falls upon them, what are they doing? They're in the upper room praying. The scripture always says, pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. Paul says, pray in the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to intercede for us through prayer, but also wants to intercede th- through us in prayer to intercede in other people's lives. If that woman never interceded for me, I would not be here. If that woman never interceded by coming to my mom's store, we would not be here. I don't think so. And I think that goes the same for a lot of people in this room. There was probably someone praying for you. And we don't even know how many car accidents or disasters we avoided because someone was praying for us. The Spirit was interceding for us. I want to leave one last verse. It's um, Romans 10, 14, and I think 15 says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom, whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And so that's my encouragement is it's up to us. I think our church, I think we are doing a lot of great things and we're moving, we're progressing spiritually. And I think we're at that time where for just by speaking to other people, it seems like we're all on the same you know, wavelength of this whole issue of prayer and that we, our church needs to start praying. And I think that's when we're going to see the visions and the miracles and the dreams that Peter talks about in the book of Acts. And that's real. That's just real life, the gospel. That's just the real thing. I guess we should just pray now. Uh, Father, um, I thank you for interceding on our behalf. First off, at the cross, you didn't have to do that. You had no obligation to do that. It was freely done out of your love. Thank you for interceding on our behalf on the cross. Thank you for staying there, Lord, because the joy that was set before you, you endured it. You endured its shame. And um, you stay ahead, Lord, you have now called us, Lord, to intercede and follow your footsteps and do greater things that you've done now that we have not just one, but now we have hundreds in this, in this church, thousands of others who are now following in your footsteps and are now called to intercede. I pray that we would help us, give us strength in this church to start interceding for other people. And I pray that we will see the miracles and the transformation in people's lives, Father, as we pray so that we cannot boast and say it was because of our programs or our ministries or because of this or that, anything that we did, but that it was because we prayed to you, Lord. We fasted, Lord, and that it was all because of your work. We praise you and we thank you, Lord, for everything you've done. In your name we pray. Amen.